Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Well, you're either in a cult or you're a creative director, I said, handing her back the card. I'm not sure which is worse. Sloan Crosley, cult classic. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm joined by retail floor manager Olivia to chat about the books releasing in June. Before we begin, I wanted to say thank you to all the listeners who have reviewed From the Front Porch on iTunes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are helping us spread the word about the show, and I am so grateful. Here is one of our favorite recent reviews. This is from Emily. Emily says, This podcast makes me want to read. As a Thomasville native now living in a neighboring state, From the Front Porch gives me a glimpse into my hometown bookstore and keeps me up to speed on what to read next. Every time I'm listening, I get an ache to just pick up a book. I'm truly inspired to read more when I listen. This podcast is lovely for anyone interested in books and small town living. Be careful, though. Listening to From the Front Porch just might make you want to move to beautiful, historic Thomasville, Georgia. Thank you, Emily. And don't worry, no one wants to move here right now because it's 100 degrees and all of my windows are fogged. So you're fine. (laughs) Keep leaving nice reviews. Uh, We really appreciate it so very much. The show is growing every week, and that is thanks to you lovely listeners spreading the word. If you want to leave your own review, just open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Your review could be featured on an upcoming episode. Hi, Olivia. Hey. Welcome back. Happy to be here. (laughs) Are you excited (laughs) about June books? How are you feeling about summer reading? I am. I I won't lie to you. I think I'm more excited for July and August, but there's still some really good books coming out in June. I think June is quietly good. Yes. I think there are some real, what is the music term? Bangers. I think there are some real (laughs) bangers coming out in July and August. What do the kids (laughs) say these days? (laughs) On Um, on fleek. On fleek. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there are some Um, real bangers coming out in July and August, but I think these are some nice... I don't know, just less showy titles, maybe. Does that make sense? That's that Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. I was going to say, okay. Ju- uh, July and August, I just know there's a lot of big name authors coming yes. out with a bunch. But there's yes. actually some good name authors coming out this month, too. Well, good. I'm excited to talk about it. Don't forget, listeners, as Olivia and I chat about these titles, if you purchase or pre-order any of the books we talk about today, you can enter new release, please, at checkout at bookshelfthomasville.com for 10% off your order. So again, you can just go to bookshelfthomasville.com, click or tap podcast, then shop from the front porch, and you'll be able to see today's titles at checkout, enter new release, please, for 10% off. Soon we're going to have a new website. And those instructions are going to be different. And I need to make sure I remember (laughs) when that date is. We are in the process behind the scenes of doing um, some changes that I don't think will affect the customer too much. I hope it'll enhance the customer experience. But one of those things is a new website. And um, if Olivia and I sound tired, that's why. (laughs) So I'd like to be clear. I am excited about June releases. I feel like I maybe like started with a little bit of a letdown. These are great books. <laughs> Look, I really think here's what I think it really is. 
end of this month, am I right about this? You have a big work trip and vacation. Yeah. Plus we're changing our website and point of sale system. Maybe you're just ready for July for personal reasons. This is very true. <laughs> Maybe you're projecting. I'm going to put on my <laughs> literary therapy hat and tell you you're projecting. <laughs> uh, that's very okay. fair. Uh, I am excited. I really am excited too. But I do think there are bigger name authors, I think, in yes. in my list case anyway, coming out later this summer. I do have several debuts I think we're going to talk about. Some authors that I'm excited about their work, but maybe other readers haven't read them or are as familiar with them. So. I'll start and we can go back and forth because I think we have the same number today. Yeah. Okay. So my first one is the book that I led the episode with, the quote that I chose. It was from Cult Classic. This is a book by Sloan Crosley that comes out on June 7th. I love Sloan Crosley. I thought maybe I had read her entire catalog, but I think I'm missing a couple of her earlier works. But she has written essays and fiction, which I think is really difficult to do. Actually, I feel like you kind of pick one of those things and you stay in that lane. But she's done both, I think, successfully. So I've read I Was Told There to Be Cake, which is a great title. Look Alive Out There, another great title. Those are both essay collections. And then her fiction book, The Clasp, which was kind of this thriller is definitely the wrong word, but it was kind of this slight mystery suspense, literary suspense, maybe. Anyway, cult classic to me is most like the clasp. This is the book I'm reading right now. It is, I want to say a romantic science fiction book. (laughs) I don't know. I'm reading it right now. I think this could potentially be an Olivia and Annie kind of crossover title. So in the book, our main character Lola. She lives in New York. She's out to dinner one night and she runs into an ex-boyfriend, whatever. They talk to each other. She kind of reminisces a little bit. Then the next night she's grabbing cigarettes or something and she runs into another ex-boyfriend. And She's like, this is starting to get weird. And then I think she has a third encounter with an ex and she is kind of weirded out. And then her friend confesses to her and takes her to this old synagogue. (laughs) But when they walk into the synagogue, it's been completely transformed. And essentially, it's kind of this cult, question mark, she thinks it's a cult, that is responsible for helping people get closure on their love lives. And so she has been their test case. The reason I say it's weird, it's science fiction-y in a way that I'm still trying to wrap my brain around how it works. But basically, there is some kind of field or data that enables these people to figure out who your exes are and to like place them in the right moment. And of course they want to make money off of it ultimately, but she's their test case. And so right now I'm at the part where she's trying to decide if she wants to continue being their test case. It is weird and fascinating, but Sloan Crosley writes in a very funny way. That line, I know it was a weird line to start the episode with, but that line about (laughs) you're either in a cult or you're a creative director made me laugh out loud so hard. I just think she's quietly snarky and funny, and I really like her. So I trust her to take me on this ride. Also, this is what I sometimes do if I'm in the middle of a book and I'm like, how do I feel about this? 
I'll check and see, is this a starred review in Kirkus or Publishers Weekly? And if it is, I'm going to keep going. And it's both. So it was starred in Kirkus and Publishers Weekly. I trust her as a writer. I really like what I've read so far. I'm just very curious where it's going to take me because it's a hard book to categorize. And when you're a bookseller, I think you constantly read thinking, who can I sell this to? How can I sell this? And it's a little harder to elevator pitch than maybe other books that I typically read. So I'm looking forward to this. Can't wait to report back on what I think, but it is Cult Classic by Sloan Crosley out on June 7th. I do that same thing with Kirkus and Publishers Weekly. It just <laughs> like, is helpful to know. This will give me the reassurance that yes. like I should keep going. Yes, because not always should you. Yes. I recently <laughs> put one down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can't. There's just too much to read to, yeah. to, yeah, to do that. Okay, my first book out June 7th is called Fibbed. This is a middle grade graphic novel by Elizabeth Adjiaman. I looked that up and I tried my best, everyone. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) But this takes place, so this uh, little girl, I can't remember where she lives in America, somewhere in suburbia, but she gets in trouble at school because everyone believes she made up this story about how this family circus of squirrels stole her teacher's toupee. And everyone thinks she just stole it and she's making up this fib. (laughs) And so her parents are like, we're going to send you to Ghana with the rest of our family. You're going to spend the summer there and you're going to try to like pull yourself together a little (laughs) bit before you get back here. Okay. And so she goes and like at first, you know, there's like a bit of culture shock and everything. Mm -hmm. She starts to go to school with her cousin, which actually the culture aspect was really interesting to watch play out and everything. But then she meets this spider because they also have a lot of stories that they tell. And the spider Mm. in their culture is this trickster who loves like not only tricking people, but loves telling a good story. And Mm. so this spider really meets her right where she needs it to be. (laughs) (laughs) And they end up like getting the spider's magic back to it. And it was a really fun adventure with like African folk tales weave throughout it like there's a second one of a an elephant and a crab okay but it was it was really really great and the illustrations were beautiful oh that sounds really good and like a fun read yeah it felt like if you liked the storytelling of legend of auntie poe and Mm -hmm. the location the locale and like the whole environment of where stars are scattered Mm. like this this is the perfect like blend of the two Okay. I think it sounds good. It sounds like a good summer story too, right? Like you're spending oh, the yeah. summer like recovering from mistakes you made at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Okay. My next one is So Happy for You. This is by Celia Lasky. So her debut novel was Under the Rainbow, which released to a lot of buzz and is a book that I wished I read, but I haven't read it. However, I'm very curious about this because I kept seeing Hunter post about it and I was like, I naively thought, oh, interesting. So glad she's got a new book coming out that looks a little bit like, I don't know, romance, rom-com. Like I was just looking at the cover. Then I read about it because Hunter had read it and it sounds so interesting. So it looks like it could potentially be a thriller suspense. I'm not sure. So the main character is Robin. Robin and Ellie have been best friends forever um, since their childhoods when 
Robin came out to Ellie. She was really supportive and kind. And so they've just continued this really lovely friendship. Then Ellie gets engaged and she's getting married and she asks Robin to be her maid of honor. And Robin is super hesitant because she's, I believe she's a lesbian. She is an academic. She just doesn't really want to have anything to do with She's kind of cynical. That's what I'll say. She's cynical about kind of the what heteronormative ideas of marriage and weddings, like the whole industrial complex of weddings. But she is a researcher at heart. And so she decides to kind of enhance some of her academic work. She'll become the maid of honor in this wedding. And she'll also kind of, she'll be a good friend, but also be a good researcher is what it sounds like. So... The problem is weird things start to happen, sinister things start to happen, maybe more sinister than usual. Because <laughs> I feel like than usual. I just feel sometimes <laughs> wedding planning can be a little sinister. And so anyway, but get this, I this is what I love. This the opening sentence of this book is If you want to know the story of how my best friend and I ended up trying to kill each other, I should probably start with the night she asked me to be her maid of honor. I was like, that's a good (laughs) opening line, right? That's a good opening line. So it just sounds – I had the wrong idea of this book, so I wanted to help readers in case they too maybe just saw the cover um, and thought they knew what it was about. It just sounds like it's going to be a little more suspenseful. I read in a couple of reviews the word campy. So it just sounds like a good time. I would pair it, I think, with a book I also read that's coming out later this month called The Bridesmaids Union. That book releases on June 14th. I really liked that book a lot, and it just sounds like it'd be a great pairing with So Happy for You by Celia Lasky, which is out on June 7th. I don't like myself for saying this, but I don't think I will ever understand the word campy. Oh, you know, I just it helps. I think campy, how would I describe it? Like... I just think of, remember the Met? <laughs> no. <I> was- <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's exactly why I'm confused. <laughs> that was not a good representation. <laughs> the Met Gala doesn't really explain it. You know, okay, it's better for me to tell you someone who I think represents camp. Okay. <laughs> it, share. Do you know Cher? Cher. Yeah, no, I know Cher. <laughs> I couldn't tell from your face which part of that you're processing. That's fair. The campy part. <laughs> like I know Cher is like, like, like Cher is a little, like gaudy. Yes, but like a little bit out there, but like content to be out there. A little bit weird, but content to be weird. A little bit, yeah, gaudy, campy. Mm, this is harder than you'd think. <laughs> Now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> like for a while, I did not understand the term gaslighting. I do oh, yeah. now. But that one was weird for me to grasp. I don't know why. It was when that Camp- Dixie Chicks song came out. <laughs> they're, just the, they're just the chicks now. And yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they, they changed their name. Right, um, right. Let me tell you, camp, I would have thought I could easily describe, but you can't, it's easier to describe than it is to define. What an interesting conundrum. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that. Cause I feel like in my mind, when somebody, like when I read that this book was campy, I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, like share. I don't know. 
just keep circling back. I'm going to have to think about that. Okay. So sorry. Uh, Go ahead. What's your next one? (laughs) Listeners, you can help me too, if you'd like. Yeah. Right. As said, what's the definition (laughs) of camp? Help Olivia. Um, Okay. My next book, I finished it this weekend. It was really fun. Another middle grade novel. This is Charlie Thorne and the Curse of Cleopatra by Stuart Gibbs out on June 6th. This was awesome. This was about Charlie Thorne, who very much reminds me of like a female um, Artemis Fowl. She's very smart. She's um, very sneaky. She likes to get herself into trouble and then out of trouble with her own skills. She has a brother who is in the FBI and is currently chasing her down. (laughs) which was just a really fun aspect of the book. (laughs) And this book was about, she resonates with Cleopatra because she was also a very intelligent female leader and who was kind of alienated by her people and her time. Uh And so Charlie learns about this like hidden treasure that Cleopatra has. I have not looked up how true (laughs) this is, but it all sounded very realistic. (laughs) Um, also the setting of Egypt was super fun. Yeah, that um, is. I've only read like one other book set in Egypt. So this was I like I might start to look for more. That was just okay. a really great setting. But I did finish this and realize mm-hmm. it was the third in a series, just so we are all clear. Right. But it did not read like the third in a series. Like it was only mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, this should be a series. This is so good. <laughs> and then I realized that it is a series. Okay. So you can pick up this book without needing to read the first two. I probably will go back to read the first two because I just enjoyed this book so much. Um, but I Stuart Gibbs like- is the author of Spy School. Okay, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. I was like, that name sounds familiar. I also like when series are standalone, especially for kids, because it yeah. can be hard to find if you're at the library. I just think about all the kids going to the library this summer. And if the book, the library doesn't have the number three and you can't go on to number four, that's a bummer. And so I yeah. do like these books where the series titles are kind of standalone titles. And Spy School is the same way. And they all, (laughs) um, as Noah from Dumbledore's Army told me, no, it was Will. Will read this series. Will read Spy School. Um, Will did tell me that like each each book, and this one included Charlie Thorne, uh, has like some sort of STEM component to it. So like you are learning while on this adventure with the main character. But it never feels like they're forcing knowledge on you. Okay. It It was really good. Oh, that's great. I also love that it's got a kid recommendation, like yeah. a, a kid's stamp of approval. Okay, my next one is Boys and Oil. The subtitle is Growing Up Gay in a Fractured Land. This is by Taylor Brorby. It's out on June 7th. This is a memoir written by a young gay environmentalist. I have this arc at home partly because it sounded really good and partly because Kate recommended it. So former bookseller Kate, who's now manager at Bookmarks in North Carolina, Kate and I have a lot of overlap in terms of taste. And so I really trust her and she really liked this book. Taylor Borby grew up in rural North Dakota. And sometimes when I think about what it's like to live in rural Georgia, I think, well, there are other places even more rural than this. (laughs) So (laughs) Believe it or not. Can you imagine rural North Dakota? I would think North Dakota on its own is probably pretty rural, much less, I don't know. Can you name an online customer from North Dakota? I think it's one of our missing states. No, surely we have somebody. What's up I don't there? know. 
I don't know. I'm going to have to go back through our online orders and see. But the point is, not a lot of people live in North Dakota is what I'm trying to say. And so he grows up there and comes out to his friends and family, and that does not go well. And he experiences some pretty harrowing things, it sounds like, growing up gay in rural North Dakota. However, he also immediately begins to take stock of the landscape around him, and North Dakota is beautiful. And even just some excerpts of this book I read, the way he writes about nature and about his home just sounds really beautiful and complicated. So he has since grown up and become an environmentalist. He protested at, oh my gosh, I should have written it down, the oil question mark pipeline. Anyway, and so he protested there. And so he writes a lot about the hardships he's seen inflicted on the land in order to benefit the lives of people. And so he kind of contrasts that with his own growing up stories. So it sounds really interesting, really good. Like I said, it has Kate's approval and recommendation. I'm very curious about it. It is Boys and Oil, a memoir growing up gay in a fractured land by Taylor Brorby out on June 7th. I think Bismarck is in North Dakota. Isn't it? the? Wait a minute. Oh no. That's the capital, right? I just, I needed to be able to name like one spot <laughs> in North Dakota just for my own well-being. <laughs> Already had to ask what camp he is today. So I think, yeah, Bismarck (laughs) is the capital of North Dakota. I think so, because Lincoln is the capital of South Dakota. No, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska. You're right. (laughs) Wait, Wait, what's South Dakota then? Oh, no. Kansas is Topeka. I'm going to look it up. Are you ready? No. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Not ready. South Dakota. Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to get it. I would not have, which is really bothersome to me. It sounds like it I need really, to do some work this summer. <laughs> it's, I know it's going to sound familiar, though. Go ahead and tell me. Pierre. Ah, oh, yes. Because <laughs> then Michigan is Lansing. I don't know why those two always correlated in my head. <laughs> uh, is Lansing? Yeah, it is. God, I need to go back and study my capitals. I used to be really good at that. You know who's good at that? Jordan Jones. Oh, he would be. He knows them all. He knows he all the be. presidents. I bet he in knows a to. song too to like go yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um well, all right. North Dakota. My next book. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I was telling you the other day, I think picture books go through up and down years, and this is an up year for it. I think this Maybe, I'm sorry, Rhino Suit, my all-time favorite book, a uh, picture book of this year, of this okay. year. I'm not going to say of all time. Yes, but beating out Rhino Suit is a big deal. I know, but I am not a crier, and this oh, one right. is not a cry book. Okay. So, this is called Poopsie Gets Lost, and it's by <laughs> Hannah E. Harrison. <laughs> Stick with me. <laughs> okay. Poopsie is this little fluffy white cat with a big pink bow on its neck. And Poopsie lives a very lush life, um, uh-huh. like fed right on time, fluffy beds everywhere. And then you have this instigator of a narrator in the picture book. And the narrator okay. pushes Poopsie to go outdoors. And then the narrator pushes Poopsie to go out past the yard. And then Uh Poopsie gets lost in the jungle. Um, And Poopsie has to figure out how to defend 
themselves against like an actual tiger and like crocodiles. <laughs> and okay. Poopsie at one point grabs a vine to swing on and realizes it's a snake, um, okay. like a very Tarzan type moment. Okay. But Poopsie throughout all this, instead of getting scared and like going into Poopsie's self, mm. Poopsie stands up for him. Her, I don't know if Poopsie, I'm assuming Poopsie is a girl. Poopsie stands up for herself and she gets mad and then she like takes action and she, okay. I she gets it. up like with her bow tied across her forehead. Yes. <laughs> Going back okay. to the house, just like angrily stopping. Oh, it is so good. It's so good. I take it the illustrations are very funny. Oh, well done. illustrations are amazing. amazing. Okay. I personally um, just love how you say poopsie, and I just feel like <laughs> this sounds like a good story time book. Oh, it's going to be an excellent story time book. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It sounds fun. Oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, okay. My next one is Last Summer on State Street. This is by Toya Wolf. Hooray. I am here with this book because it's going to fill the Brit Bennett-shaped hole in your heart. I have one whenever Brit Bennett does not have a book. I have a Brit Bennett-shaped hole in my heart, and I think this will fill it. So I read this book a couple of months ago, weeks ago, hard to say, but it's set in the summer of 1999 in one Chicago neighborhood, the neighborhood actually that Toya Wolf grew up in. So she's very familiar with this area, and you can tell the way she writes about the neighborhood. But the neighborhood is undergoing a lot of transformations, p- potentially down the road some gentrification. So they're tearing down the neighborhood and the homes, the apartment buildings in which um, the main character and her friends live. So you kind of watch throughout the book as these families see the apartment buildings coming down, and they know like theirs is going to be next. So there's kind of this sense of I don't know, sense of foreboding. But at the same time, you have these four girls who are right at that like 11-year-old age. It's a group of four of them. And you can see that their friendships are also starting to be on shaky ground. And I hadn't thought about this until I was writing the notes for today. And I was like, oh my gosh, like as those buildings are starting to fall, some of those friendships are starting to fall as well. And I think even if you grew up in rural North Dakota or rural South Georgia or Tallahassee, Florida, and you didn't grow up in the inner city of Chicago, I still think you would find some of this story really familiar because I think all of us at 11, 12, 13, our friendships start to change a little bit, particularly female friendships. I think this can happen um, to anybody, but I found that part of the book really familiar. And then you can also see these young girls trying to figure out who they are, who they can trust, and is home what they've always pictured it as, or is home a little bit more complicated than they thought. Fifi is the main, Felicia, I believe is her name, but throughout the book, she's called Fifi. So she is kind of the main character. And we also get to see her as an adult looking back on her adolescence. That's kind of how the story, that's the lens through which the story is told. And her narration or her storytelling reminded me a little bit of um, Miriam in Revival Season. There is just a lot to unpack here about family dynamics and home siblings. There's a really interesting relationship that Fifi has with her brother that reminds me of the relationship in Yajessi's Transcendent Kingdom. Anyway, there's a lot to really appreciate and like about this book. Also a plug that it is 
about 200 pages. It's pretty short. And it, I love that it takes place over one summer. And as I've said before, I hate reading cold weather books when it's miserable hot. And this book is set in the steamy summer of Chicago. And I felt like, oh, yes, this is something I can read about and enjoy during my own steamy summer. So it's called Last Summer on State Street by Toya Wolf. Got a really fantastic cover, too. It's out on June 7th. That sounds good. It was really good. It, and Are like, the main characters the kids? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the main characters are the kids, and which reminds me of oh my gosh, I read a book you just reminded me because it's very Brit Bennett to me. But there's that book, What the Fireflies Knew. I was just thinking about that. I was like, yeah. there's a lot of adult books coming out that like follow. Yes, the children. kids. Yeah. yeah, and and Fifi, who's I believe she's narrating. I'm trying to remember back, but anyway, she is looking back on it as an adult, which I also mm-hmm. really liked that. So it's definitely told through the eyes of these kids, but she's also reflecting back on when did this friendship go wrong? When did my mom start acting differently? When did my brother start acting differently? Um, you can tell she's a grown up trying to figure it out. I really liked it when I read it. And the more time that passes, the even more I like it because it's a short book. And so you finish it and I finish it and thought that was good. And like the more that I move beyond it, I think, no, I think that was actually really, really good. Like there's so much to kind of unpack and think about after the fact. All right. My next book is another middle grade book. This is Cedarville Shop and the Wheelbarrow Swap by Bridget (laughs) Crone out on June 14th. This one's really short. Like it's less than 200 pages, but I do recommend 10 and up. It takes place in Africa after apartheid, but you do get a little bit like she gives you historical information about apartheid and what that meant and how that affected the people at the time. And then you kind of still see the effects of apartheid in this child's life. But this is about a little boy who read about the Canadian, did I forget his name? I want to say it's like Kyle McDonald, but like there is a whole news article about him and how he started with a single paperclip and he kept trading up until yes. he ended up trading for a house. Yes. And so this little boy reads about this story and he's like, I think I can do that. And so he starts with like a little clay cow and he keeps trading up. And like at first the village around him just kind of thinks like, uh, what is this kid doing? Like this right. is ridiculous. He's not going to get anywhere because he does frame it like I'm going to get a house out of this. Right. <laughs> um, but through it, he ends up doing like all of these really good deeds. Like one of the swaps is that he gets to choose the goalie for the town's soccer team in order to swap for free rides to the nearest city for a week. Oh, wow. And so he picks this child who has like a bad leg, who's always wanted to play soccer, but he can't run, but he can keep a goal. Mm. So he was their goalie and like won a bunch of games. And then he gave like the rides to this mother who had a sick child and had to get to the hospital daily. Um, It was just like a really sweet transaction. And then this news reporter comes to town and she writes this article about him that frames him in a not great light mm-hmm. and leaves out that his best friend also did it with him. So that it was like a best oh, friend riff. Mm-hmm. And he's right at that same age, that 12 year old yes. age where like that kind of stuff really matters now. But then another reporter comes to town and does him, him in the town mm-hmm. justice in the whole experiment. But it was really cute. The chapters were short and you just got this really vivid glimpse into his daily life and the townspeople and how everything goes over there. It was really good. What an original story. 
I feel like yeah. that doesn't sound like anything else you've ever talked about. No, it was a delightful read. <laughs> it was very delightful and informative too. Like at the end, because they used a lot of African vocabulary throughout it. Like she even started the book by explaining like the language that they speak and how they add clicks into it. Mm-hmm. And she gave you like websites where you could go watch these videos explaining like how to do the clicks and what they mean. And like, this is this the stuff. kind of book that should be on summer reading lists. If anyone Correct. would ever <laughs> listen. <laughs> Yeah, this would be an excellent summer reading. It's short. Yes. It's to the point. It's fun because like you do get these funny interactions between this kid trying to pawn off a little clay cow or like right. a broken wheelbarrow. See? I mean, weren't you – I certainly was the kind of kid who like would read and then would be like, I want to try that. Like because yeah. you see all these kids like reading this book and trying these swaps. I just – Absolutely. What, what and how we? eco-friendly. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. Just sounds like wish this was on local school summer reading list. (laughs) Sounds great. Um, Okay. Next up for me, Nora goes off script. This is by Annabelle Moynihan out on June 7th. I have been talking about this book for months because I found it to be utterly enjoyable. I found it to be so enjoyable and charming that I have already read it twice, which I have never done. (laughs) Like I never finish an ARC and keep it and think I'll try that again, but I definitely did. So Annabelle Moynihan apparently is the writer of some young adult novels. I was not familiar with that work, um, but this is her first adult novel. It is a rom-com. However, I've been thinking about why did I like this book so much? Why was I willing to read it twice? And I've even considered picking it up again. And I think it's because the characters are so likable. They are kind of in the same vein as Katherine Heine characters or Amy Popel characters. And there is, this book is definitely a romance. Like that's, that is what is happening at the center of the book. But you also have a main character, Nora, who's really a compelling protagonist on her own. And like, I think I would enjoy reading about Nora all by herself, whether or not she had a love interest. And so I think that definitely helps deepen the story and make the story more rich than it might be otherwise. So in the book, Nora is a writer. She writes a lot of, they don't ever name this, but they're clearly Hallmark movies. She writes a lot of Hallmark movies and Hallmark scripts. And she has just gotten divorced. Her husband's kind of a skis. And she has wound up writing this script post-divorce, almost telling the story of her and her ex-husband. And the script catches the attention of a more major director. And so it's very different from like the Hallmark sensibilities that she's used to. And part of one of the real crucial characters of this story is the tea house that is in her backyard. So they wind up filming at her house So they film the movie at her house. And of course, one of the actors is, you know, attractive, a little bit brooding, perhaps kind of teases her and and makes fun of her a little bit. Anyway, they, of course, fall in love or are interested in in each other. But at the same time, Nora has two kids who I find really compelling and interesting in the story. Um, They're very funny. They bring a lot of light and levity to the book. And then Nora also has her friends all adjusting to this kind of movie star, essentially hanging out in their town, dating their friend. And so those parts of it were really good. I just loved all the people. I, you know, this wasn't a 
dysfunctional romance. This was a romantic comedy between two really likable characters, which I really appreciated that both of them were really interesting and well-written. So the main characters are Nora, obviously, and then Leo is the male protagonist. Charming and cozy are two words I would use to describe this book. I really liked it. Nora goes off script by Annabelle Moynihan out on June 7th. All right. My next one is the new Riley Sager out June 21st. It's called House Across the Lake. I will tell you all, I almost didn't read this one because I thought it sounded like a plot that I had already read before. And then I finished chapter one and I was like, nope, he knows how to write a good book. (laughs) He really does. Even if you feel ambivalent, like uh, like, he does such a good job of making it compelling. Yeah. And even like the main character is not... I I don't want to say unlikable. There are aspects of her choices that I do not enjoy, aka Uh her drinking. But like Mm -hmm. other than that, like I I kind of really like her. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And he does this every time too, where like the story is headed where you think it's an obvious, like it's this person. And let it be known, I'm only halfway through this book. But also, I'm halfway through this book, and I started it last night, so that should also. Tell well, that's what I was going to say. You've gotten farther than I th- realized, which is a good sign. And I know, I know, the obvious choice of how this book is going to end is not how it's going to be, mm-hmm. and it's really throwing me off because I don't see the other possibilities. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to do it again, and I'm just, I'm so happy to have an author where, like, every time. I can go into this thriller knowing like I will never guess. What that happened. is nice. Yeah, that is yeah. nice. Because there are a lot so of consistent. thriller writers, but I like his con- – yes, that's the word I was going to use. I like his consistency. Yeah. He's so good. Um, if you've enjoyed his other stuff, definitely pick this one up. I think it's going to be really good. So far it is. It gives me very much like – what is it? Woman in the Window meets like Great Gatsby location Ooh, where okay. it's like – it's Lake Green and there's five houses on Lake Green. And okay. you meet the the main protagonist. I think her name's Casey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only said like once or twice because you see it from her point of view. Right. She's in the house for reasons due to her past. And mm-hmm. um, she like watches the people across the street because they live in this big glass box house. And yeah. it's like this former model and a um, tech company startup guy. And she mm-hmm. just spies on them. And then the wife goes missing. See, it sounds good because it sounds Hitchcock to me, like a little bit Alfred Hitchcock movie. I'm curious about this one. I'm going to be reading it. I just feel like I like him enough to try whatever he's willing to give me. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's so far so good. Really good. Okay, good. Okay, next up, Flying Solo by Linda Holmes. This is out on June 14th. So Linda Holmes, I have loved her for a long time. She's one of the hosts of the podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is an NPR podcast. She also has been a writer for NPR for a long time. Like, I literally think I've read Linda Holmes since high school. Like, that's how much, that's how devoted I am to Linda's writing about, specifically about pop culture. But then she had a book out a few years ago called Evie Drake Starts Over. I had to look up when that book came out. That was out in 2019, which I don't know about you, but 2019 feels like a decade ago. Uh, But it wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> but it feels like it was. <laughs> so this is her new one. And I have not read this. So we didn't get an ARC of this. So I don't know. But what I wanted to say is that this doesn't sound like, I don't want to word it this way, but I'm going to air quotes, just another rom-com. Like, I don't want to be derogatory about that genre because clearly I like that genre. But I thought, oh, Linda Holmes, this is probably a love story. 
but instead it actually sounds like a like a story with a grown up like, like like okay so basically Lori is the main character and Lori is turning 40 and she goes to kind of clean out the house of her aunt Dot who has just died and aunt Dot was always single and Basically, while cleaning out her things, uh, Laurie finds this wooden antique-looking duck. And there's a letter attached to it that ends. And anyway, if you're ever desperate, there are always ducks, darling. And then the duck goes missing. And that's when Laurie tries to figure out, did this duck have, like, money in it? Was it of financial value? Like, what is it about this duck? And so she kind of goes on this (laughs) duck hunt looking for (laughs) the duck and on the way, kind of discovering things about herself and her aunt. I do think there will probably be a romantic element to this book, but it doesn't sound like that's the main point, which I find pretty refreshing. I've had a couple of podcast listeners and customers ask before for books with middle-aged or older protagonists. And specifically, like I had a customer who's single who was like, I just want to read a book about a person. (laughs) And it doesn't have to do with their romantic lives at all. I think there, again, could be a romantic element to this book, but that sounds like it's not at all the point. And that, in fact, the point might actually be the relationship she had with her aunt, which I find really lovely. In that way, it reminds me ever so slightly, though I haven't read this book yet, of One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. Sounds like it might be in that same vein. I'm very curious. I will be reading this. I like Linda Holmes a lot, and I want to support her work. Flying Solo is out on June 14th. All right. My next one is another picture book. This one is by Zadie Smith. Oh. I believe this is her first picture book, uh, but maybe don't quote me on that. Um, It's called The Surprise. It comes out June 28th. And this is about a little hamster. Oh, nope. It's a guinea pig. This is about a little guinea pig (laughs) (laughs) who uh, wears this judo suit, and no one knows why. And the hamster starts to get like kind of made fun of for wearing this judo suit. But throughout all of this, he develops this thick skin. And he's just kind of like, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And he, like the whole point of the book is that like being unique is a good thing. And being an individual is a strength, not a weakness. But he goes on this like adventure with, I believe, this grandmother and granddaughter. It looks really cute. That does. How unexpected for Zadie Smith. That's cool. Yeah, I thought so too. Okay, I've got another one by, this is called The Catch by Allison Fairbrother. It is out on June 21st. I think we know somebody named Allison Fairbrother. And that, <laughs> like, <laughs> she does watercolors and she's been to the shop before, but this is not her book. <laughs> she did um, the Indie Day t-shirt from last that's year. That's right, last yeah. year. Yeah, the 2021 shirt. So, okay, this is called The Catch. Look, it has been a long time, I think, since I read just a straight dysfunctional family book. And I think this is it. I think I'm going to pick this one up. It's a debut. The main character is Ellie. Ellie has a really lovely relationship with her dad. And her dad kind of has is the glue holding this pretty far-reaching extended family together. So it sounds like Ellie has a lot of siblings and half-siblings. But the dad is kind of at the center of it all. And then the dad dies. And so Ellie returns home to be with her siblings and and some other relatives. And she's there for the reading of his will. And she just knows that her dad is going to leave her his beloved baseball because it has something to do with 
how they bonded. It's like something special and has meaning for both of them. And instead, when the will is read, the baseball goes to someone else and someone that Ellie doesn't know and she's never heard of. And it's deeply hurtful to her. And she kind of goes on this quest, I guess, to find, oh my gosh, maybe all we really want. I'm sorry. I'm just realizing, you know, like, fine, love stories, but all we really want are quest stories. Maybe that's really what we're looking for. Uh, And so anyway, Ellie goes on this quest to kind of figure out who her dad was, what their relationship really meant, why this other person got the baseball. Um, It just sounds really different even from a book like The Nest. Like, I think there are a lot of these kind of dysfunctional family stories about somebody dying, a matriarch or a patriarch dying, and then the left-behind legacy or where the money goes. Like, I feel like there are a lot of stories like that. I'm thinking of the movie Knives Out or something like that. But this sounds a little bit different where the person who who gets – the item is maybe not the person who was supposed to get the item. And why would that be? Anyway, it just sounds interesting. It's called The Catch by Allison Fairbrother out on June 21st. Okay. I have two adult books left and I'm really excited about both of them. The first one is The Golden Acre. This is by Philip Miller. It comes out June 28th. This really drew me in because it's about an art heist, essentially. And I love a good art heist. Yeah. I love it so much. And so this is about, you follow two different characters. One character, Thomas Tallis, who he's, it's called an inspector of province, provenance. I don't know. Okay. I had never heard that term before. Essentially, he goes and inspects that the painting is an original painting and not a forgery. Okay. Because this painting, the golden acre, is being sold. And Mm. so he needs to go and confirm that this is the actual painting, this is the original, before they can, like, exchange money. Yes. Hands money until people can hand over money to other people. (laughs) Um, Then you get this journalist, Shona, and she is there. It's all set in like London, I believe. But oh, no, no, no. Scotland. Even better. Yeah. Um, And Shona starts digging into this artist who recently was found like murdered in his house. And Mm. so while she's digging into this, they both start to realize that somehow the selling of this painting and this artist's death, who is not the artist of said painting, is related somehow. But you watch them the entire book, like side by side, just try to like figure this out, which is so good. Okay. I can't give too much more away without (laughs) giving away the plot. All I can say is that like this book at first seems like a very straightforward art heist mystery. And like, I am all for that. It was so well written. And then you get to the end and a twist happens. And then you're just like, no, this book is not like one I've ever read before. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It was so well done. I think for like for people who liked the Goldfinch, not just for the character story, but for the art part of it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And there was another book. There was like, it was Farewell, Miss something, Miss Farewell. I don't know. I can't remember. But I also read it. It was about an art heist. And it was very, very good. But if you like that sort of setting and like. Maybe Portrait of a Thief that just came out. If you get, if people liked that one, that was a good one. Yeah, that would be good. One. Yeah. I also just kept thinking like Catch Me If You Can vibes. Yeah. Just people trying to one up one another. Yeah, it was okay. it was so good. I really mm. really enjoyed it. I might have to read that. That sounds good. 
Um, okay, my last one is a book called The Bartender's Cure. This is by Leslie Stratton. It's out on June 28th. And I kind of wonder if this is going to be like Lager Queen of Minnesota or Kitchens of the Great Midwest, but about cocktails. <laughs> so The Bartender's Cure, it's a debut. And it is about Samantha, who is a, I think she's either about to or she is in law school. She's a law student. And she lives in San Francisco, but she goes through a breakup and then subsequently perhaps has her own kind of breakdown, like like a mental health uh, episode. And so she winds up deciding to defer, I think, going to law school. And she moves to New York to kind of get a fresh start. She's sleeping on a friend's couch. And she finally realizes she needs to get a job. And so she takes one at a local bar and becomes a bartender. And apparently what follows is a really lovely testament to bartending as a profession and also to kind of bar communities. Look, I notoriously do not drink. However, I am fascinated by <laughs> this is gonna sound as old lady as as I guess I am. But I love the show Cheers and Sam Malone as the bartender. And I just love that atmosphere so much where like these people come and they hang out at a place and they love each other and they're funny together. Yeah. Like what's not to like, like I just love it so much. And sometimes I have talked, I think to you, I know to other people about the fact that I don't know what being a bartender must be like. I have no idea. I do not have the skill set for it. However, (laughs) every so often working at the bookshelf feels like working at a bar because people check out check out, it sounds like a library. People come to the cash register to buy a book and then they tell you why they're buying the book. And sometimes it can be really personal and moving and you're just supposed to (laughs) to take that information and it doesn't really go anywhere. There's nowhere for it to go. And I feel like bartenders do that too, right? Like they take people's information and they um, protect it. And so I feel a kinship to bartenders in this very distant way. So I'm very curious about this book. I'm going to read it. I've got it. I literally, it's holding on my computer right now, but it's it's on my list of books to read this summer because I just think it sounds lovely. There's also at the back of the book cocktails that you can make. That was one of Jordan's quarantine hobbies. And so I... I feel like I at least know of these cocktails and can actually read and know kind of what's happening because it's, I've witnessed it in my own home. And so, so I don't know. It sounds really, really lovely. It's called The Bartender's Cure by Wesley Stratton out on June 28th. It also sounds like it'd be really fun if you, if you do enjoy a cocktail because like it yes. sounds like it has recipes in it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You can make Jordan the cocktail while you read the book. <laughs> Yeah, I could tell Jordan. I can give the recipe to Jordan and be like, I'm reading this. Do you want to make this along? <laughs> then it'll feel like we're both doing it. Yes. He made me He made me a very good mocktail last night that he kind of tweaked and created, and he called it the spelling bee. Oh, that's fun. Yes, because it was raspberry-based, and raspberry is the word he misspelled in his spelling bee. Oh. And he's never forgotten it. Anyway, it, it, it was hard really good. when you misspell in a spelling bee. Yes, he he knew the word, which I think didn't you? Don't you know the word? Yeah, yeah, Annie. Mine was couch. (laughs) Did you spell it like not a good speller? (laughs) No, I spelled it with a W. (laughs) (laughs) 
Look, phonetically, Again, you were repeat, wrong. Who's not a good speller? Still am not a great speller, but Ooh. now I have a lot of resources at my hand. <laughs> In fourth grade, up on a stage, I had zero resources. Oh, that's awful. Never forget. Yeah. I bet you won a spelling bee or two in your life. I did. I, did. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh, I, did. Uh, I also like that you weren't about to rub that in my face, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Well, my last book is also really good. I actually think this oh, could be yeah. in my top 10 just because of how often I've thought about it. Okay. This is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. It's out on June 28th, and it is about the world. Uh, You follow five or six different people, but essentially the world wakes up one day, and everyone 22 and older wakes up with a wooden box outside their front door. And in the box is a string of all different lengths that correlates to how long their life will be. And so from this moment, uh, I mean, everything changes in every single person's life. Even if you've gotten a long string, even if you haven't opened your box, just the option of knowing affects people's daily lives and how they treat other people as well. But she did it in a very interesting way where like one of the persons that you follow is a presidential candidate. And I don't. No, this is not a spoiler. <laughs> I was um, he ends up with a long string. Um, and then it's kind of like, but what does the other candidate have? And like, Ooh. what if he has a short string and we know he's going to die in office? Do we then elect him? Right. right. And then there is a lot of question about like military. Um, do you put short stringers in like the front lines of the military, mm-hmm. knowing that like there's a great chance that they could die up there? Or mm-hmm. do we keep them as back office and say we're protecting them and not limiting mm-hmm. what they're able to do? Interesting. And then it goes into like the health insurance world. You get to see like couples interacting, one with a long string, one with a short string. And like, what do you do? Like, do you Mm. then go get married to that person knowing that like they're going to die pretty soon? Do you move forward with your life with children? Um, Like there's just so many questions. It is, I will say, like definitely a more serious book. I did at one point put it down because I was not in the right headspace for (laughs) said seriousness. That's fair. But then I picked it up and I'm so glad that I finished that book because it was just so well done. And so it was such a fascinating concept to think about. In okay. Yeah. It sounds like, well, just ever so slightly. Did you read that book, The Immortalists? Did you ever read that? No, I wanted to. It's pretty. It, it was pretty good. It's been a while since I read it. I I don't recall loving it, um, but the story was thought provoking. Like I remember thinking, "Oh, this is an interesting premise," because because it's where people a magician like predicts how old. I mean, how old people are going to be when they die, kind of thing. And this friend group kind of collapses in on itself when they all find out their different ages. And so, anyway, I'm simplifying that. But that book definitely made me think it's one of those things that does stick with you after the fact because it makes you ask questions about like what would I do would I want to know like would I even open my wooden box would you open your box yeah yeah yeah. no I'd burn that thing (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing is that the string can't be destroyed oh awful like they can't cut the string like it it can't be destroyed and everyone gets it when they turn 22 oh that's awful <laughs> but um, fascinating. Yeah, but if like a great but social experiment. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, okay. Well, I think we proved that June has some really great books coming out. I think so. Good job, June. You really turned it around. Good job. <laughs> Don't forget, you can use the code new release, please, at checkout to get 10% off all of these books. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com, click or tap podcast, then shop from the front porch to see today's titles. This week, I'm listening to Cult Classic by Sloane Crossley. Olivia, what are you reading? I am reading House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Angie Erickson, Cami Tidwell, Chantal Carls, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch friends, book club companions, and bookshelf benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.